Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown. This is the Hook Butter Leads podcast, and I'm here with Derek Klein of Hail Trace. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We're going to be talking about how roofers choose which areas to prospect in and basically the history of prospecting hailstorms and after hailstorms. So we're both part of this move to modernize the roofing industry, Derek. Um, how do you, how have you seen contractors and uh, roofers in particular, their mind change over time? Like, what do you, what do you think the big shift in the industry is right now? And then we'll talk about the shift in weather tracking and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think it's, it, it all boils back to the idea of understanding like what your, what your vision is or like how you see yourself as, as an entity in the, in the business world. Right. So, um, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, the transition for, for Helltrace. Cause when, when I started Helltrace 11, 12 years ago, I saw us as a weather product and, and I saw us as the product essentially that, that we were a company of our product. Um, and so, so we were a weather company is, is the way that I, that I envisioned us. Um, and I think, in, and to modernize the roofing industry, it's kind of the same way. So roofing companies, they see themselves as roofing companies and they're not wrong. They are roofing companies, but when the day that I realized that we were a business and not a weather product, um, it changed the trajectory and the, and the, the way that my thought process worked. Um, because now all of a sudden, um, we were a business that specialized in weather, just like roofing companies will someday, if they haven't already, will realize that they're a business that specializes in roofing. And when, when we make that, that change, we learned to, to understand that we're really tracking a lot of the same things. Um, and you learn to change the ideas, the things that you're tracking as a company. And so that was like, for us, that's when we realized, oh, we're a software company. What are the things that we need to track as a software company? We need to track our churn rate. We need to track like all these different, different aspects as a company changed. And all of a sudden the trajectory of our company and what was important to us as a company changed. And so I think that's, you know, when we talk about modernizing the roofing industry, that's really what we're talking about is, is changing the way that they view themselves. Um, yes, you, you are a blue collar industry and a blue collar company and there's, you know, hammers and nails and climbing on roofs and cells and all that type of stuff. But what are the things that you're tracking that make you successful as a company? And, and what technologies are you using to help yourself be successful as a company? I think that's, you know, that, that epiphany that I had is something that I think a lot of contractors hopefully will have if they haven't already. I always kind of say something similar to that, where it's like, you're not a, you're not a roofing company. You're a customer service company that does roofing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I say the th same thing about it. We're not a marketing company. We're a, or a customer service company that does marketing. Yeah. It's transactional. It's almost a little bit more obvious if you have subcontractors. I think some of these guys that have subcontractors get it like on that front a little bit easier. Yeah. I think it's almost harder sometimes when you are that craftsman, super artisan, style mindset like and i don't want to scare people off of that obviously it's beautiful and i think on the west coast it's more often but it's like you still should have those things in place like checklists and quality control and each of your steps down to the you know the specifics well, even if you hire great people internally that that you think are doing the right things i think there's still like a an executive function that needs to be there thinking like a business thinking like a a customer service main is your main thing. 
Well, at the end of the day, like, like I got into this because I love weather. Um, and I would assume most roofers or contractors got into it because they love the craftsmanship behind some of that. Right. Um, you know, the, the, they, they love that side of it. And by all means, I, I don't think as a CEO, you should get rid of a hundred percent of that. You, in order for your company to be successful, you have to love what you do. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, I, uh, like for me, for example, like I go chase tornadoes for our local TV station. And I, that's a lot of time that I put into that. Um, but I do that because I love weather and, and I'm able to kind of pinpoint that into something. It's good for marketing. It's good for building me up as an expert. The industry sees, oh, well, this guy's good enough to go, you know, go put himself in front of a tornado. Surely he can tell me where a hailstorm's going to be, um, you know, right? So like we're able to bridge that gap and I'm able to still go do the things that I love. But at the end of the day, I can still take that time away to, to dive into the metrics that are going to make us grow as a company to understand, you know, what, what tools do we need to be successful as a company? And so some, some of that stuff is fun and some of it's not, I uh, just got to make sure to have a little bit of that fun still. So. I love that. And by the way, I did see you out chasing storms recently and I was like, damn, that dude <laughs> knows what he's doing. He must know what he's doing. Okay. So let's go through the history of how people have basically tracked down where storms uh, affected roofs. How has that changed? Give me some time. Give me the timeline of how it changed over time. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting if you go back and look at it, you know, on like a linear, you know, divide of, of how things happened, right? So you have basically like around 1995 or so. So anything before 1995, obviously storms still happened. We still had hailstorms and tornadoes and, you know, I mean, there are quite a few of them, honestly. I mean, they, they still happen pretty often now. Obviously, the population's a lot higher now, so the number of people impacted is higher today than it was in the past, and the amount of money that's available is, is a lot higher today. But, but pre-1995, no matter what you say, people had their roofs impacted with hail. They had high wind events. They had tornadoes. So how did, how did those roofs get taken care of? Well, most of the time it was a, the, the homeowner had a leak or they had, you know, it, it, it went past the point to where it wasn't unobvious and now they had to make a move. And so they would call the contractor, right? Hey, I've got a leak. And the contractor would come out to inspect the leak and they would see the, the other damage that had occurred from whatever storm it was. And then that's how they knew it was time to file that insurance claim. Um, but that's essentially how it worked pre-1995. In 1995, um, basically the internet came around right, right before that, but the internet became a useful tool and it kind of grew from 1995 to, to 2008. And this tool that popped up, the Storm Prediction Center, a lot of contractors will refer to it as NOAA. Um, you know, I think Stormersite uses that data as well. Um, so there's, there's a handful of resources that are using this, this NOAA or Storm Prediction Center data, but essentially a storm chaser or an emergency manager or the TV media or, myself, I can, I can report in, um, can report in hail and I can say, Hey, there's hail in Edmond, whatever size, or we had 70 mile an hour winds in Edmond. Um, there's a tree down, whatever. Right. So we had this ability to report this to NOAA, to a, to a centralized resource. And then that data was put on the internet, which gave contractors a tool to say, Oh, look, there was golf ball size hail in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And they could go to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and many times they found out that it was actually five miles north of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, or 
it wasn't actually golf ball size hell. It was maybe a little smaller, maybe as a fishing story for, from a storm chaser. Right. Um, but they, they had a resource to be able to go and, and basically prospect, um, and look for something. Um, in 2008 ish, um, I want to say hell watch was the very first one to do this. I'm giving my competitor, one of my competitors, a little, a little handout there, but, um, hell watch was, um, was created, right. And it was based off of the need of, Hey, if they need this data, why couldn't we take the radar and map the data that we had? And a couple other people came shortly right after that. Um, but essentially we had these maps that took the maximum hail size that was capable and, and they put it out and that's kind of been honed in and, and been worked on over the last, well, since 2008 to 2000 to 2021, right? So over the last 13 years or so, that's that's been the resource. But the problem with that resource is, is it's been focused on max hell size and very generic. And so that's what contractors have had to use. And it's definitely helped and revolutionized the industry as far as their prospecting, right? I can know like, hey, between this, this street and this street, this is the area that I need to focus on didn't necessarily tell them which homes in, were damaged specifically or if they even had damage, but it, it gave them the target, the audience, right? The, the broad target. Well, in 2013, there was a, a, an upgrade to the, to the NOAA radars or the, the, the NEXRAD radar that, that's available. And so that's called dual pole radar. What that did was, is it gave us the ability to do some stuff with radar technology that we couldn't do before. And it took a little while to understand it, um, to, to be able to test it and analyze it. And, and here in our office, we've literally been taking that data and utilizing it and trying to understand it better and better and better over the last eight years. And so what we were able to do was come up with a solution that enabled us to take that instead of saying the maximum hell size, we were able to come up with a solution that starts to talk about the volume of hell, the duration of hell, the, the, not the maximum hell size, but what was most of the hell size. Um, and then we were able to take some of the data that contractors have or that that's available in the public as well, where we start talking about the roof age, the roof type. And we were able to come up with this solution that said, Hey, what if, what if instead of saying you need to focus in between this three mile radius, but in this neighborhood right here, in this neighborhood right here, there are literally 12 houses that you need to be on. So not, not 500 that you need to go look at. There are 12 roofs that you need to look at. And oh, by the way, you have 17 clients. And of those 17 clients in that area, seven of them also need to be looked at. And so that's been kind of our focus and that's the next way, right? So this is where the, the roofing industry, maybe have, maybe you don't have that vision, right? Like you haven't seen that, that weather technology and technology in general can go to that level, but that's the level that it's going to. That's the next way, right? And so that's what we've been focusing on um, with our software. We're actually launching some new stuff next year that'll come out that will start to take some of that data into mind. And so we're really, really excited about where it's headed because it's going to hone in the prospecting side for the contractor. I love that. It kind of reminds me of uh, VR because like back in the 80s, when <laughs> or like whenever, you know, when we were kids, 90s, I was a kid in the 90s and basically you put it on and you're like, or like you saw some, so you saw some out on TV or something. You thought it was going to be soon. Like, I think right. like maybe 
And I think maybe Rupert's tried some of the early variations and maybe got thrown off on some of the hail map stuff. If they tried like, you know, they were just messing with Noah or different things because it didn't, it wasn't precise enough. So right. it'll be important for people to try again as it starts, you know, as if they haven't in a while, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's, and, and also, you know, understanding the expectations of the tool that you're using, right? Like there's different, different tools work for different things. And so, you know, kind of understanding, you know, what the, what the use case is for it, I think is important. And that's, you know, that just goes into understanding technology. Yeah. Talk to me about, should, should I wait on a hailstorm to hit to, to think about this type of software? Well, you know, so I, I always say like, you know, what, like, what is your goal, um, you know, with, with a product? So, I mean, I, I can think of a use case where it may not make sense to, to use a product today, right? And today being, you know, for those that maybe are watching this later down the road, today is, it's November. Um, so we're going into November and December and January, right? Um, and there, there are some companies, especially the further north you get, that they just kind of shut the doors down for the winter time, right? And maybe that's kind of their time to get away. And, and I've, actually, I, I, I remember I called this, uh, I called this company. It was like, I want to say it was around Thanksgiving. I can't remember exactly. This was probably like five or six years ago. It was a company in Nebraska. Uh, and um, we had reached out to them and they, nobody answered because they weren't in the office. They had a voicemail that said, hey, we're gone. We'll be back in March. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I mean, if you have the resources to do that and you feel like you can expand your business and be gone for that long, then more power to you. Um, I hey, don't I've know that that would work. But... Hey, I've seen right? some people do it. It depends on the situation. It depends on your goals for the business. You know, like Absolutely. If you're not interested in growing mm -hmm. and that's okay that is okay oh absolutely um yeah i so, but, find it not as fun but <laughs> i like right? to grow okay. and i kind of have to have an element of relentlessness uh-huh well it, like i have to have something to work for right so if oh. if for me like coming into work for the same thing that i had yesterday that's you know that's just kind of repetitive i like the i like the the adrenaline and the thrill for going after something bigger. And, um, you know, so that that's fun to me it, and seeing like the team grow around me and seeing you know, our, our leadership grow, um, like all that stuff is super exciting to me. So, so like to come in and say like, Hey, we're not going to work for a couple months. Like that doesn't work for me. Um, but I've, yeah. I've worked for companies that, you know, their goal wasn't to grow. Their goal was to sustain what they had. Um, and it's there's, Sometimes it's not, it's just not just top line revenue growth. So we got, you can grow your profit. You can grow your, your employees ability to earn. You can, there's tons of ways. You don't have to just be like cranking from 20 to 50 people here. Sometimes it's just, you're growing smarter um, and different yeah. things. So also it's like you were saying winter. Yes. Sometimes that holds uh, some of our Midwestern brethren. I am in the Midwest right now. A little bit, right? But you got the if there's damage and there's no snow on roof. So if there's no snow on the roof, you can get up there and you can work on these things. It doesn't have to be, it also doesn't have to be a hailstorm yesterday. It can be a hailstorm in the last couple of years, right? And that there's still stuff yeah. to be had. Because at the end of the day, you're not actually, you're not working for a hailstorm. You're working for hail damage, 
Um, and hell damage is, is available like, or even wind damage or tornado or whatever, right? Tornado is probably going to get fixed pretty quickly. But, um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, your goal is to find storm damage, not to, not to have a storm happen. Like the storm happen is creates the result that you're looking for, but unless everything has been repaired from previous storms, there's damage available. Our current estimation across the United States is around 10 million roofs need to be replaced because of storm damage today, right now. So that's 10 million opportunities that are out there right now for contractors, right? So if you have the ability to get up on a roof and do an inspection, you have the ability to close a roof. Now, in the Midwest, like in Minnesota, right? Like there's a temperature threshold that you can't replace the roof, but you can get the contract. You can get every, get it on the calendar, right? Maybe we get a sunny 50 degree day and we can go out and throw the roof on, right? Like there are things that you can do that enable you that ability to do that even in the off season. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like what, like one of the things that I think is most powerful is that what you do today, what you do in November, December, January, and February, when you think there's nothing to be done, what you do in that time period is going to be more impactful for what happens storm-wise or business-wise in March, April, May, June, July, August, September than, than anything you could ever imagine, right? The company that sets around and does nothing and has creates no revenue resource, right? Because we don't just sell something. We can't just decide to flip on a switch and go make some money tomorrow, right? So the work that we're doing today is creating sales opportunities for us that will create market market marketability, right? Like it'll create momentum. It will create the ability, like cash flow, right? Like if, if I make no money all winter long, that's cash flow that I'm scrapping myself for the ability to create a marketing campaign when the hailstorm happens. Or how about this, to be able to hire five sales reps before a hailstorm happens, months before a hailstorm happens, to be able to train them so when the hailstorm happens, they're successful and not trying to figure it out after the hailstorm happens. Um, what about the ability, and, and you'll like this one, what about the ability to create a brand, the cash that it takes to create a brand all season long? So when a hailstorm happens, they go, here's who I need to call, not, hey, Facebook, who should I reach out to for this? You know, content like, too, anything content. Yeah. You can create a lot of content in the winter. Up here in the Midwest, we got ice dams, we got all kinds of stuff, we got other kinds of leaks happening. Um, just prepare yourself, get that content ready. Think a think two or three months ahead. I love that. It's yeah, I, I would, you, you could make the argument that what you do the next two or three months are more important than what you do in August when, totally. when you think it's your busy season. Like that's the, that's what results in those surges. That's what makes the surges happen because in the surge, you basically, you start turning down stuff. Like people, I, you know, have yeah. to turn down stuff sometimes when there's a surge happening. So act like there's going to be a surge happening and do all the things that you know you're going to need. And somehow that also helps create the surge. Right, exactly. So yeah, I, I love winter time. And, and I think, you know, I think our product even plays such a big role because again, because there's just, there's damage out there, right? So let's go find it. And, and we can kind of help you hone that in. I love it. Anything else that you feel, give me a vision, okay, for this next couple of years in regards to weather technology changing the roofing industry. Really, well, Cass, what are people going to do three, five years from now that you're excited about? What do you, what do you think is going to change roofers' lives in regards to what you're doing? Well, and I, 
I, I hope that it's 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 revolved around the process that they build, right? The system that they build. Um, you know, it so whether obviously weather plays a role, it creates opportunity, right? And so if you can if you can create a process around that opportunity um, and, and really build that into your prospecting that like when you're doing your prospecting and when you're doing your selling and, and creating those opportunities, I, I think those are intertwined. Um, and so, so that, you know, over the next three to five years, that's, you know, that's where our vision is. Our vision is to create a tool that takes that and basically builds the bridge or, or closes the gap on the sales process versus the, the prospecting process. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to take those and, and close that gap. And so that's, that's where our focus has been is, is how can I take weather data instead of making the contractor go, well, if I do this and then I do this and then I do this, I can get this list, which allows me to do this and do this. Like we want to bridge that gap and just say, okay, here's the result that we're looking for. Let me just click on A and A produces the result and, and we're off to the races and we're done. And so yeah, that's kind of kind of weather. Sorry. Um, no, just to like double back, you had talked about how like if you could really hone in on, the, you know, not just these this cluster of five neighborhoods, this one neighborhood and these 15 houses. So I think from what I from what it sounds like, that's a pretty big move. That's a pretty big shift in how Absolutely. this weather technology will happen. And I love the idea of because I've been out uh, knocking doors with uh, basically, you know, sales guys that are you know talking about talking about whether they had damage and getting on the roofs and stuff like that. And the one thing, one thing I saw is they could, quantity could go up. I think there could be some quickness into that. But the other thing I thought was, damn, the neighborhood feels like maybe this is the wrong choice. Maybe this area is the wrong choice. We're kind of getting the leftovers and stuff like that. So it's just always to me a little bit about like there's non-value added work. We did a, we yeah. did, half a day and that's probably just you know what i saw we're talking about yeah. weeks and weeks of prospecting that can be non-value added work so to me and i'm sure the business the roofing business owners out here are thinking the same thing like if i could cut down on that non-value added work it's just you also want to keep your salespeople busy so there's always that element mm -hmm. you know like you just don't want them sitting around you don't want to like we call them some people call them lead babies like they're yeah. just lead babies and just get the leads. And right. hey, you can make all your salespeople lead babies great. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, like the goal is to sell a roof, right? So like yeah. why, like there's no point in sending them to a roof that I can't sell. So, I mean, there, there's obviously there's some momentum that can be built around some of that to, to some extent, right? Like, well, do you know anybody like you could ask for referrals and there's there's all kinds of stuff that you can do to make that time effective. But at the end of the day, if, and most of the time there's, there's enough roofs out there that that can be worked. So it's not, it's not an issue of having enough stuff for the sales guys. It's an issue of having, sending them to the right stuff to do. So, yeah. um, you know, so the, the more effective they are. Yeah. So get, get hail trace if you guys haven't already. Uh, Derek, what is the .com? I know you don't like to sell hard, but I'll sell hard for you. I appreciate it. So it's, it's hilltrace.com. It is our website. So uh, you can go over there and check out everything that we have to offer. 
Um, you know, there's, there's some videos on there. There's, there's stuff that kind of gets you going in the right direction. Um, you can also, I mean, you can just reach out to our office. We have a team of people that can do demos with you to show you we're not pushy salespeople either. We're, you know, we're here, let's sit down with you. If it makes sense, like we will turn people away because their business doesn't make sense for us. Right. So, you know, so at, at the end of the day, it, it's about finding a mutual relationship that says, Hey, it works for you. It works for us. Let's, let's choose to do business together because we're going to make each other better. And so let's you know, save a couple people time. Let's save okay. a couple people time on this. What is that criteria? So people can kind of like disqualify themselves before they contact you guys. What is, well, what is it at, not? At, at the end of the day, like, like we're like the company that's wanting to grow, um, you know, so we'll, we'll get that, that contractor that, Hey, I, I get referrals every day. Um, I'm not, I'm not out prospecting. Okay. Well then you're probably not, if, if you're, if you are generating enough leads right now today, just by people, by the phone ringing, then I'm probably not, not a bit, not a great fit for you at this current time. Right. Uh, maybe someday down the future we will, but um, you know, and, and also the, the guy that's like willing to set down and understand the technology that they're purchasing and, and learn it and then, and then use it, like figure out a way to plug it into their process. And so, so like, if I sat down and share with you, here's how, here's how what we do works and here's how it's effective within the process of your business. And you agree that that would be effective in the process of your business. But the next step is, are you willing to implement that into your process? And if you're one of those people that, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you're one of those people that, no, you're not, like you're going to buy it and then never use it. And then next year, I'm going to spend a month hunting you down for a renewal. Like, probably not my customer, right? Like, I don't want to waste time a year from now trying to hunt you down. And I don't want to waste your money this year either, right? Like, I want, I want you to use it. I want you to make a ton of money. And at the end of the day, we... If you're willing to grow your company and you're willing to use our product, I will make you money. I'll, I'll, you'll pay for it within the first week that you have it. Like that's, it takes that long. Um, so, but you got to be willing to use it. So if that's, if that's you, then, then we're excited to have you as a client. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I, I think helping people disqualify themselves as a service in and of themselves, in and of itself. Yeah. I, it's funny how sometimes those guys that have like one, it's one, two, three people, nothing wrong with that awesome. I started this business from scratch, no funding, all that. So mm -hmm. I get it. A lot of sweat equity, a lot of time, a lot of effort, yeah. et cetera. But at the other, the other side, it's just funny sometimes when those guys are a little cocky about like where they, well, I got more business than I, I mean, yeah, but you're three people, dude. Like, of yeah. course you have more business than three people can handle. <laughs> try, try feeding 50 families, man. Like it, there's right. a bigger, beautiful challenge out here. If you want it, if you're not willing to be a you compassionate leader, Yep. If you're not willing to try to feed into your people, if you're not going to be that type of person that, that helps people better their lives on your team, maybe you don't want to do that, but it is yep. a wonderful, wonderful challenge. And it, it can be very fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know you are a passionate guy about, about leadership too. So anything you've seen in other leadership requires a lot of the same skills, whether you're running a software company or a marketing agency or a roofing company, anything that you can share that you've been learning lately about leadership? 
I mean, I think the biggest thing with leadership to me is, is to care about the people that you're around. Um, if you genuinely, and, and you have to genuinely care about them. Um, and, and I think it helps you solve all problems when it comes, if you genuinely care about the people that you're around. So that includes your customers, that includes your employees, that includes your family, um, your friends, like all, all of those people. So, you know, when, when you're making decisions and, and, you, and you actually care about the people, it, it makes you want to become better as a leader. Like it gives you the why um, in, in what you do. And so you have more drive to, to go read the book or listen to the podcast or go listen to the speaker, but not only listen to it, but to actually implement it into what you do as a person. So what if I don't whether care about them? <laughs> right. So, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe that's why leadership's not for you. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, another thing is a challenge to people that if you don't think of yourself as a leader, like start, I mean, even if you're the, either the right hand man or the, you're, you're a salesperson starting out and you're looking, I mean, cause there's other people listening to this podcast. Like if you act like a leader, you become a leader. Business a leader, owner a leader is someone that has influence. And, yeah. and everyone can have influence. And it, people will ratchet you up quick. Like it's the quotient I feel for becoming a leader in an organization is lower than ever because like there's been high turnover and stuff like that in a lot of companies. And there's an element of if you can just step into that and act like it, act like it, carry yourself like a leader, treat people like a leader would, speaking to them, not always being the problem person, you know, you're being the solution person now and you're helping other people solve their problems on the team, people will start to treat you and, and give you the raise like a leader and give you the title like a leader. Basically, you just act like it realistically in this day and age, you can be a leader much quicker than I think 10, 20 years ago. Like, like I said, being a leader is someone that has influence and anyone can have influence. There's, there's a really good podcast um, Craig Rochelle, um, he has a podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's on leadership, but he has an episode, he calls it leading up. And so that's, mm -hmm. that's for the leader that's maybe in an entry role position at a company, but how do you lead up to the people that are above you in that position, right? So if you look at it from a, from a, from a hierarchy, right? Like they're leading up to the people above them. And it's, it's a really, really good podcast because it talks about like how you can become a leader and how you can lead up to those above you um, and what you can expect to get as a leader that way. So it's, it's a really, really good one. I would highly recommend for anybody to go listen to it. All right, one last question here. What is the mistake that you've seen uh, in leadership that maybe kind of crops up that you've seen more often lately? Maybe in roofing companies, I'm guessing you talk to a lot of these guys. So something you've seen mistake in leadership. I, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I see right now in the roofing industry um, as as leaders is is maybe not focusing on, God, I mean, you know, I don't know if this is maybe a mistake in leadership, but I, I see it as like, you know, one of the things I see is, is again, and it goes back to what we started this podcast on, but not realizing what your company is. And, and it is, it's a business, right? And so when, when you understand that and you say like, my goal is to focus on this as a business and start to focus on the metrics that make a business successful, not what makes a roofing company successful, right? Um, but what makes a business successful? Well, then you can start to make some decisions that are a little bit different. Um, it, it continues to change the trajectory of Helltrace. Like I learned stuff yesterday that blew my mind. It was kind of like a punch in the gut 
um, at the, at some of the stuff that I was like, Oh, I can't believe I didn't know that. I wish I would have known that three years ago. Um, but always be willing to, to kind of humble yourself and go, I don't know everything and I don't know everything within my company. Um, so I need to learn, you know, some more within my company. And I, I can say one way to also humble yourself consistently is get a business coach. Um, they're typically not very cheap, um, but they are worth it. If you can find you a, business a business coach. coach, what's that? Who's your business coach? Uh, his name is Mike Crandall. So, um, and it's, it's amazing. And he just asks questions, right? So like, he's constantly asking me questions that creates more curiosity within my business. And, um, it's amazing that like, like what I was talking about just a minute ago, like what, what I, what I discovered yesterday was very humbling because it said to, to me, like my first gut instinct was you are a horrible CEO because you didn't realize this. And this was a problem within your company, within your metrics, but it also exposed the opportunity that we had going into 2022 saying, man, if we can turn some of this stuff around, our opportunity is, is endless with this. And so, you know, we're, we're going to be able to stop some bleeding that we had as a company that we didn't realize we had as a company because we weren't curious enough. And so this business coach was able to, to ask questions that made me want to do a little digging. Right. And so I started digging and I dig and I dig and all of a sudden I get the numbers that I want and I go, Oh, we're not nearly as good at this as I thought we were. And so curiosity. I mean, that that's one, one of our, one of our core values here at Helltrace is curiosity. Like I love questions, question everything. It's it'll, it'll change what you do. So I have the same thing. I have kind of a peer group with a couple search engine optimization guys, just go dirty for a second um, in my market that are close by. And they, you know, it's nice to be niched because they don't care, you know, they give, they'll give and we bring them in for hourly or whatever. Uh Um, but it, it kind of hurts sometimes because they're mean. They're sometimes like, yeah. I mean, it sometimes it's like really, really good technician type people that maybe aren't that big picture. They're really good, but uh-huh. they're not like, not as soft skilled. Yeah. So they're, they cut, they cut you. They'll, they'll hit you in the, in the heart. And I just like yeah. kind of talking to my, the SEOs and our team about it. And like, like, it's like a, a window. You got to crank down that window. You got to crank down the ego for a little bit to be able to receive the information and then you can crank it back up if you need it. Cause I need it sometimes. Sure. I need that. I need a little bit of confidence and chutzpah to like make sure that the team will follow me. Right. But like, it's yeah. good to be able to lower that ego and accept the new information or accept a, a kind of a, a question that hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't be afraid to like involve the leaders around you too. Right. Like that was, that was like how I got my confidence back. Right. So like I knew, so like when it first hit me, I was like, man, I, I mean, I would fire me if I knew this. <laughs> and so, yeah. and then it, you know, it is probably not that bad. Right. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, at, and at, we always the ebb and flow, right. Like the depression chart of it, like one minute you're like <laughs> in the earth. And then like five minutes later, you're like trash. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. the, the person, like the, the, the emotions of a business owner, but, um, and and so I was definitely riding that roller coaster, but like I get done. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I've got these, I've got these seven leaders around me that are super smart. They're super passionate about what we're doing. They have people speaking into their life that are super smart and super passionate about what they're doing. 
all I have to do is like, I'm going like, to, which I've already done. Like I've, I said, look what I found, like immediately, look what I found. This, this is a hole in our business. And we all were like, but look at the opportunity. And so now we're all like brainstorming ideas and they're coming up with stuff that I hadn't thought of. And, and I'm coming up with stuff and, and like, we're finding resolutions to the problem that we uncovered. Um, and because we have a core group, a great group of leaders within our company that I've empowered, I said, Hey, I don't, you're not a manager in my company. I don't want to tell you what to do. I want you to lead in your own way. I want you to, to be you. I hired you because of what you bring to the table, not because of what I bring to the table. I don't, I don't need somebody to go tell, Hey, I want you to do this and do this and do this. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that I say, here's the problem. And you come back with great solutions. And I have a great group of leaders that that's what we're doing. And so, you know, at the end of the day, like I uncovered this problem, but I realize I've got this great group of leaders. We're going to solve this problem. And next year we're going to be a better company because we uncovered it. And we uncovered it because I have people that I trust to influence me to, to ask me, to poke me, to pride me and, and to, to ask those hard questions. Good. So get those people around you. Um, and once again, what's the .com so I can send, send people off here? Helltrace.com is where they can go. I think they can call it 855-334-4245 uh, if they want to call the office. They're one of those, one of those people. One time. Eight, I would five, scrub five. back. Yeah, no, it's 855-334-4245. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. Um, the podcast is put on by hookagency.com, hookagency all over social, and grateful you guys watched or listened to this today, and have a good one. Bye. Appreciate it.